0: Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 28. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Our subject this morning is simply steal no more. Steal no more. One of the many reasons the gospel is as wonderful as it is, is because the gospel is not for perfect people. The gospel was never planned out to be people who were close to perfect people who weren't as bad as someone else, but rather the gospel is for sinners. The gospel was not just for sinners in general, but the gospel was for adulterers, the gospel was for liars, and the gospel was for thieves. In Ephesians 4.28, we see Paul exhorting believers to instead of stealing, that they should labor. Now many of us today simply think of stealing as simply taking some physical possession. Now that is accurate, that is uh, true, but there is much more to what stealing is than simply stealing a physical possession. Uh, There is the stealing of time. Uh, There is the stealing of thoughts. There is the stealing of ideas. When we think of something being stolen, we think of something that can pretty much apply to anything. What Paul is talking about here is not just the stealing of material possessions. This verse forces us to really think on the totality of what Paul had in mind. We're forced to think beyond just thievery. We're forced to think about more than just taking a physical possession. As a matter of fact, as believers this morning, we have to ask ourselves the question, why do I need to be reminded to steal no more? We might even say today, I don't have this verse is not for me today because I'm not a thief. Uh, this verse is not for me today because I don't steal anything. And I would suggest to us today that before we come to that conclusion, uh, maybe we should examine our own hearts and examine our own lives as to what Paul uh, may in fact have been talking about. Now, what is it about stealing that God would put his finger on this and say, I want my people, to be reminded about not only to not steal, but the importance of working and laboring. Well, let's talk about, first of all, why stealing is in fact against the will of God. Well, first of all, we know that there's just something that is shameful about the idea that requires deception, that requires a level of secrecy. Uh, There's something shameful about the idea of stealing something. Um, it's, there's a, there's, there's a, a shame to it. Uh, secondly, when we steal, uh, it involves misusing something, uh, that God has given to us. Uh, God has given us the ability in this case, he's given us the ability to work. He's given us the ability to labor and to steal instead of working is to misuse the gift that God has given you. But think about also what it takes to plot out and to think through the theft of something. Uh, We often don't just steal something on the fly. We often plan it out. We plan how we're going to get, if it's a material possession, we think about how we're going to get it. And we think about how we're going to get it out without being detected. Now, if Paul just simply meant the physical material possessions, we might be able to stop right here and say, all right, don't steal. And you say it this morning, I don't have a problem with stealing. Um, I could have stayed home today and gotten that much. This isn't a problem for me. Uh, this is not just about the theft that happens with the material possession. Paul's got something much deeper in mind here. But thirdly, we also know that to steal or to, to do something to, to take, uh, it's, it's a lack of respect. Uh, it's lazy. Uh, It shows complete disregard for the person in which you're stealing from. So Paul doesn't just say, with the Ten Commandments, part of the Ten Commandments, do not steal. Look what he says. He says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So Paul doesn't just say stealing is wrong. He says, not only should you not steal, but you should also labor in order that you may give to those who need it. So there really is something much deeper here than just physical possessions. Let him that stole steal no more. Theft, much like we looked at last week with anger and the week before that with lying, that is almost a universal problem no matter what nation you go to. If you go to just about any nation in the world, you will find liars, you'll find, you'll find thieves, and you'll find angry people. All three of those things are universal. They are things that uh, is practiced by nearly every nation. It's probably happening in every community. And so that's why people in the material world take steps to lock up their possessions. It's the main reason we lock our doors. We lock our doors because somebody is going to potentially come in and take something. I remember when we, just kind of a sidelight, when we moved out to New Hampshire, uh, they told us we don't need to lock our doors. And I said, you're out of your mind. What do you mean you don't lock your doors? I said, we're locking our doors. They said, well, nothing happens here. I said, it may, nothing, may, may not be anything happening here, but I don't trust what might happen. We locked our doors. They say, you don't have to lock your car doors. I say, we're locking our car doors. I don't know what it's like to live in a world that doesn't lock things. And I'm locking it because I don't want somebody to steal it. So it is a common practice. And Paul, notice what he says, let him that stole steal no more. Within that congregation of that mix of the Gentiles and the Jews, there were no doubt people who used to be thieves. There were people who used to take from others. There were converts at Ephesus who had, at one point, they had been thieves. So why does Paul remind them about something that they already know is wrong? Because there's always a danger in falling back into something that was once a problem just because we stop lying doesn't mean we'll never lie again just because we stop being angry doesn't mean we'll ever be angry again and just because we haven't stolen something in the last 24 hours doesn't mean we're not going to do it again paul is warning about the depravity of man and how man can sometimes fall back into the very things in which he thought he never would now we're not to suppose that paul was standing in in a congregation like we are today and he's accusing them of all being thieves. I don't think that was the context of what is happening here at all. I don't think he's saying, listen, there's a thief among us, and before this church service is over, we're going to find out who he is, and we're going to prosecute him to the highest extent of the law. I don't think that's what Paul was doing at all. Paul had something more in mind than just worried about whether or not something was going to be stolen. But what he does have in mind is that this idea of of thief. This idea of stealing. It's the principle of habit. It's the principle that's here of a particular sin. When we think we've gained victory over a sin, we, have this, we get this comfortable feeling that that sin is no longer a problem for me. Paul is teaching about the lying and about the anger and about the stealing and about the laboring, not because he thinks there's a systemic problem within the church, but because these are the habitual problems That sin will create. We often are very quick to claim victory over a particular vice in our life. We're quick to say, listen, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. I've heard men and women alike say, I was once addicted to pornography. I'm no longer addicted to pornography, only to fall back into pornography. Be careful about claiming victory over something that you used to have a problem with. The idea here is not just, hey, all the thieves at Ephesus, you need to stop it. That's why he's talking about all these things that are common sinful vices and stealing is lumped into the same concept of lying and anger. So Paul is cautioning here. Uh, He's cautioning them against the temptation of giving back into a former sin. So the object that Paul has here is to show the beauty of the gospel is that you have been redeemed and saved from these things. You have been called out of this darkness into his glorious light. Paul is just simply uh, pleading with the, the, the Ephesian Christians there to live a life that is distinct from the vices of the surrounding pagans and heathens around you. It should go without saying. You shouldn't have to tell a Christian, a believer, not to steal. It's, it's, it's to be understood. Like, you shouldn't have to tell somebody, hey, it's not right for you to take the car in the parking lot. It, you, that's, that's stealing. It, it shouldn't be something that we have to remind each other about. And yet Paul says, what I'm wanting you to do is I want you to live distinctly and show what the gospel has actually done. The gospel has changed you. You're no longer a lying as a, as a habit of life. You're no longer getting angry as a habit of life. And you're no longer stealing. The object is, is that Paul wanted them to live in a manner that was distinct from the community around them. But he adds this, but rather let him labor. He's connecting something here. That people that are prone to steal, people that are prone to take that which is not theirs, oftentimes are often people who are ceasing to labor honestly, to labor in an honest manner, to work with their own hands instead of deciding that your way out or your way of provision is to steal from somebody else. Notice he gets very specific. He says, working with his hands, the thing which is good. There's the idea here of pursuing honest work. Honest employment, Acts twenty verse thirty-five. Paul it, it talks about Paul not ashamed to labor with his own hands. No man is dishonored by labor, working at an honest in- industry. Nobody says, "Wow, you work hard at a job. You work hard doing that." That that is that's something that's that's d- dishonored. No, it, it's God honors labor. Genesis two fifteen. God says He made man for toil. And even in the simple terms, even in Paul's day, people had jobs. People worked. I heard one person say one time, I, I know they said this, and they, they probably thought about after, after they said it. They say, you know, I, I'd really like to live back in Paul's day when all people had to do was sit around and read scripture. Uh, that's not the way it's ever been. <laughs> we have always, man has always had to work, and God designed man to work. God designed man to work with his hands, to labor honestly. I don't know where people get these ideas. You know, that's that's when they refer to the good old days. I want to go back to the good old days in the 1800s when there was just this awareness of God. Nobody worked and they just all went to church. Folks, this has always been a part of society. Uh, the, The good old days were not as good if you were living in the good old days. The good old days, it's all about history, gets a little bit twisted and history gets a little bit... Uh, confused as to what was actually happening. So Paul was talking to people who knew what it was to have to work honestly. They were people who were prone to lie. They were people who were prone to be angry. And sadly, there were probably still some problems with this idea of stealing. Uh, Romans twelve eleven really shows us a little bit of an insight here that people that are capable of working and able to work uh, with their own hands that they should actually do it. And so uh, Romans twelve eleven uh, says, "Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord." Now, why is it so important? Because this is the very this is the very opposite of stealing. It's working honestly. Working honestly. But Paul, I believe, gives the the biggest reason is in order that he says that he may have to give to him that needeth. Paul makes this connection that your hard work and not stealing ought to be to the benefit to those who actually need it. I know this is going to blow our minds. And I know we're living in a society that just wants they just want something for nothing. But can I tell you, there actually are needy people. There are actually truly needy people who are doing everything they can and they, they just can't get where they need to get. It, the idea of society to say, somebody owes me something. It's just, it's, it's anti-God. Look, if you have the ability, you have the opportunity, you ought to work and we ought to be able to provide and help those who are in need. And I've I've shared this with you before. I've been taken more than once. And I just have to give it over to God and say, listen, my intent to give to the needy person that I thought needed it, my intent and my motive was right. Part of our work is in order to give. Part of what I believe Paul was talking about here is that there were probably needy people within their own congregation. Those people at Ephesus. And Paul Says that they may give, that, that word give also has the meaning of to distribute. It's it's not just to work so that you have a means of supporting yourself, but that you will have the power to aid someone else. I know again, it doesn't feel like it is. I know, I know we 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 as a nation as a world seem more divided than we ever have. But do you realize that we are supposed to be concerned for the well being of other people? We are supposed to be concerned for those who are in need. There is a considerable amount of people who simply cannot labor to support themselves. We've got people that are too old, people that are too young. We have people that are sick. But we are required to labor. This is God's Word. We're required to labor in order that we have the privilege of contributing to the comforts of people who can't. Now we all know Exodus 20, 15 Part of the Ten Commandments tells us, do not steal. But you remember in our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, uh, Paul uh, made a statement about uh, those who would not work. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Back in verse 10, he says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now these are these biblical principles and these concepts that don't fall in the category of our big doctrinal headings. These are the things we often refer to as how we practically apply our doctrine, right? So these are concepts. He that doesn't work should eat. He's not talking about those who can't work. He's talking about those. You know, he's talking about those who, who are capable of working. They should work with their own hands. But Paul on, honestly had in mind when he mentions, "Let him that stole steal no more." Paul's now descending from what's in the heart to what actually is in the hands. He condemns theft, no question. Oftentimes, people who justify their theft often pretend to be poor. They pretend to have nothing and they say, that's the reason that I had to steal something. Paul says the greatest remedy against that hard attitude is to actually labor. I mean, families, we ought to teach our, young, our children and our grandchildren, actually teach them the value of working hard. I'm telling you, it's, it's disappearing from society. It's, it's dis, we're afraid to give kids a little bit. That's too hard work. That's not going to help them down the road. It's not going to help them when they have to work for themselves and they don't have mom and dad to take care of them anymore. They don't have mom and dad to provide for all the hard work. Laboring is a remedy against theft. When we labor with our hands, that which is good, God blesses that labor. And we're blessed when we're able to give to those who actually need it. Paul's telling us here that instead of stealing, we ought to labor in things that are holy and profitable to our neighbor. We're robbing our neighbor of the holy and profitable things when we steal, when we take things that we shouldn't. Now again, how do we steal maybe and not even in just material possessions? Well, stealing is any way that you take something away from another person that doesn't belong to you. We could go down the list of... Broken marriage, we we'll go down the, the list of, of instances of adultery where the wife of another is taken by another individual. You, you've, you've got this, this idea of, of stealing is not just these physical earthly possessions. Theft always has at the heart of it some sort of gain. I'm trying to gain something. I'm trying to acquire something. Well, not just in the physical possessions, but uh, what about not, not paying what we owe? For example, if you agree to pay and then you decide, it's not that you don't have the ability, you just decide not to. Isn't that stealing? In the world I grew up in, it is. If you agreed to it and you have the means to do it and you don't pay it, you're stealing. What about withholding something from somebody who earned it? What about just being unfaithful in something that's been committed to your trust? What if you've been trusted trusted with something and you're unfaithful in carrying out that? What if you're given a job to do and you don't do the job and yet you still receive the pay for it? That's still theft. Or you cut corners in order to still get paid. Again, I don't think Paul just had the idea to everybody lock up your vehicles. I think he had in mind, listen, there's a lot of ways theft shows up, and it's still true today. There's, there's the, the stealing of ideas, the stealing of somebody else's thoughts. You realize even in, the, in the, the educational realm, especially at the university level, some of our university students understand this, plagiarism is theft. It's it's, it's a big deal. You're stealing somebody else's thoughts on these things. So thievery happens in a lot of different ways. It's not just taking something off of a shelf. And yet, God's word shows it's this great evil. To steal is actually to breach a common law. Um, I don't know anybody that's been stolen from who says, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad that was stolen. I mean, if you've had anything taken from you, no matter if it's a physical possession or something, you you almost feel a violation. Somebody's taken something from you. Talk to people who've had someone come into their house. It's never the same. There's just this idea that somebody has, has breached something. They've crossed the boundary that God has clearly ordained that should not be crossed. To steal is contrary to God's laws. It's contrary to just common justice. It should not be continued in. There are laws against it. But where does the idea or the thought to steal come from? The same place every other sin comes from. It comes from a corrupt heart. It comes from a a depravity that's within us. And oftentimes, whatever that is we're stealing... We often follow it with a justification as to why it's okay in this situation. But oftentimes it comes when we're idle. Idleness is, is more dangerous than what we realize. And, folks, I'm not talking about times when you've had a hard day of work and you just need some down. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being idle all the time. Idleness leads to laziness, and laziness leads to easy way out, and easy way out leads to, I'm just going to lift whatever this is, because I'm justified in doing it. Sadly, there's been a lot of cases where people have been offered employment, capable of employment. They won't take it, because they just want the money, right? You're capable of working. God says it's good to work with your hands. It's good to work not just to support yourself so that you can follow the biblical commandment to take care of people who can't. We have an obligation to give to people who can't support themselves. And I I speak for our church. We we all, even as a church, need to do a better job at this. I, I get it, and I'm convicted standing here. You know, simple things in our lives. When even during a normal day, when you come home and you've got, you've got groceries in your house and you've got food on the table, thanking the Lord for his provision, but also thanking that he's given you the ability to actually earn it and work for it, and then possibly, and what we should do, is take that and give it and help somebody else. This is not just about not stealing. This is about what we're supposed to be doing, which is also working and giving Brother, let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Laboring at what? Whatever God has given you the ability to labor at. Some people say, my job is very, very hard. My job is very, very physical. Your job is easy. And we compare jobs. Listen, God has gifted us with the ability to work, whatever that is. Some jobs are on the outside harder than others. Oftentimes we envy somebody else's job because we say, listen, I got to work twice as hard for my job, and they have it easy. No, if jobs are being done properly, no job is easy, but we ought to glorify God that we have the ability to do it. Laboring is a proper antidote against theft, and it should be preferred than the way of living with stealing in mind. But you've got to constantly attend to this. It's easier than we think to give ourselves over to taking something which doesn't belong to us. Let him labor. Laboring at whatever he's been given to do. That he may have to give to him that needeth. Not take another man's property. Not take something that doesn't belong to him. But what that man gets by his own labor to be able to not just radically spend it for himself, but to be able to cheerfully give it to somebody else. But these are hard things. And it's hard things because we all know and, and God gives us provision and we're, sometimes we're, we're hindered by the reality of what if, what if my provision ends. What if, what if I don't have something to give at some point? Well, if we're all living by biblical principles, that's really what the concept is. People, especially believers, ought to be able to take care of one another. I think in the first century church, they had this down. They had this idea, and I'm not saying that we go to the, the principle of having all things in common, but I am telling you this. I'm thinking, I'm thinking in that first century church in Paul's day, They had a concept of what it was to see another person within a congregation of people with a need and helping meet that need. So that when that person had a need, they were able to go to their church and that church knew about it. Now, again, I understand. I've had this happen and I've had it happen outside people and people inside of a church. You can guard against things that are not what they seem to be. But is our heart even willing you know, I think we could, we could focus on the, the, the theft part of this, but I could also say, are we actually willing to work hard with our hands and actually give it to people who need it? It's one thing to say I'm willing, it's another thing to actually do it, to actually give to somebody who needs. It's been said by many that idleness, idleness brings the temptation to steal. Those who simply won't work, they expose themselves to the temptation to steal. That's what Paul has in mind here. Not just in the physical realm, but to steal anything that doesn't belong to them. Folks, I would challenge us to think about that. What areas of our life and what things was Paul referring to that actually are stealing that we don't think about? You know, most of us don't think about stealing employers' time. We really don't think about this. We don't think about the reality that somebody has agreed to pay you wages in order to work. And to not do what they've asked you to do is you're stealing your employer's time. Or finding ways that how can I make my day easier? How can I get around this? Or wasting wasting time even when an employer has, they've put their trust in you. Remember I told you, Paul gets really practical for the last part of the, the, the epistle to the Ephesians. I mean, he, he, it comes down where you take all this doctrine we learned in, in chapters 1 through 3, and when we, hit, when we hit chapter 4, he's talking about this real life stuff now. Taking away things instead of honestly laboring. Laboring in order that we might be able to give to those who need it. We should not be known as believers who grow, by, grow rich by theft, by oppressing, by deceptive practices. Listen, even God is not going to accept things offered unto him that were acquired by dishonest means. And we we'll often think about, well, I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna give this all the Lord's work. God's not gonna accept that. I you know, it's it it's it's sad, but there are people that actually believe it. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use it to God's glory. That those things don't go together. You, you, can't, you can't do something that dishonors and violates God's word and then simply say, but I'm going to give it to God's work and he'll be pleased with it. No, he's not going to be pleased with it. Listen, God would much rather have those two little mites, those two little pennies, that are gained honestly than the millions of riches you can give. That were acquired by dishonest means. Now, again, I don't know how this applies to all of us today. I don't know how this specifically applies to you. I know what the Spirit of God was dealing with me about this week, and I know what He's dealing with me about right now. And this is one of those messages I can't just stand up here and declare, "Hey, look, here's what we got to do." But I do want to ask—I do want to ask you the question: How? Do, what's God? speaking to you about about this verse and how we should be living this. Maybe you can say, I I don't steal anything. I don't take possessions, I don't steal time, I'm always honest, I'm always I always do exactly what I say. Well, that's great. But I think if we're challenged enough to look at it, we're probably all guilty of something in our life that probably if we, if we viewed it through the lens of God's word, would actually probably be defined as stealing. Stealing something. Paul simply says, let him that stole steal no more. Remember we started off by saying the wonderful thing about the gospel is is you don't have to remain an adulterer. You don't have to remain a thief. You don't have to remain a liar. You don't have to stay in the condition that you were. The gospel is the very thing which brings us to the understanding that these things should no longer be a part of our life. But rather let him labor. Work honestly. Work work with with purpose. Work with hands, the thing which is good. Do it honestly. Do it to the best of your ability. That he may give to him that needeth. Interestingly enough, and not by coincidence, Paul leads into the next potential vice, which is corrupt communication. What we actually say. How we say it. How we speak to people. Intensely practical things. For a person who doesn't know the power of the gospel, this may seem like the only way. Sometimes thieves steal because they don't know the power of the gospel. Sometimes people continue in their way of life because they don't know what it is to be transformed by the power of the gospel. Folks, that's why the gospel is not just about one aspect of life, it is the answer to society. It's the gospel that's missing from our communities. It's the gospel that, while every legislation in the world tries to correct and fix the problem, it's the gospel. It's that gospel which is what changes hearts. It's the gospel that prevents you from having the first desire to want to steal. Because remember, we're not as good as we think we are. Apart from the power of God's grace in our life, you don't want to know what you and I are capable of. And you're still capable of it. You're still capable of doing what you think would never happen. And yet, Paul says... This is is what the gospel should do. It should make you distinctly different than what you used to be and the world around you. We'll we'll conclude there for this morning. Let's go ahead and we'll stand and we'll be dismissed in prayer. I trust as we've studied this morning, we've studied the word together, not only during our Bible study time, but now during this service that we've been challenged from the word And as we close, of course, if you have yet to repent of your sins and believe on Christ for your salvation, as I try to ask you every week, I would ask you to run to Christ. Run to Him. Without hesitation, Christ will in no wise cast anyone out who comes unto Him. Repent and believe the gospel. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, now as we leave and go our separate ways, where we know now is where the reality of what we've heard now becomes true. Father, all of us could probably be seated here today and say the things that I've heard, the things that I've even said, I can do that, I can live that way. But Lord, we know that the real Christian life is not lived inside of the four walls of a, a meeting house. It lived in our homes and our communities, in our jobs and our schools. And Lord, I thank you that your word has given us such practical admonitions and commands. Father, even commands about things maybe we didn't realize we even needed. And Lord, today I know that I needed to be reminded of everything we've heard today. And Father, I pray that as we leave here, we would rejoice and we would glorify and lift up the name of our Savior. That we would be faithful witnesses and preachers of the gospel. May the Holy Spirit give us word the right words to say, the right time, the right place to speak. And may we be bold and courageous in our faith. Father, dismiss us now with thy blessing, and it's in Christ's name and for his sake I do pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening. Lord bless you.